Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Fight fans, we welcome you into another edition of Inside Boxing Live. I am your host, Dan Kenobio. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Big show planned for you today. We got a twofer. We got Andrew Maloney joining us and Mike Coppinger. Obviously, Andrew fought uh, in the fight this past weekend against Josh Frankel. A lot of controversy, so we'll all get it all figured out uh, with Andrew Maloney. Mike Coppinger is going to give us the news and notes because there are a lot going on in the world of boxing. But before we get to those interviews, we have a big announcement here on the show. We have a new sponsor, the Esports Boxing Club. The boxing video game that fans have wanted for so long is finally here. I've seen some of the footage. I've seen some of the graphics. I've seen some of the fighters that are involved with it. How would you like to fight with Toro Gotti? I would like to do that. Uh, and without further ado, uh, let's bring on this official trailer for the Esports Boxing Club. How long have boxing fans wanted the video game? It's finally here. On the other side of things, we'll get to our interviews with Andrew Maloney and Mike Coppinger. Here it is, the Esports Boxing Club. Okay, let's bring in our first guest of the show, Andrew Maloney. You saw him fight on Saturday night over on Top Rank on ESPN versus Joshua Franco. A little controversy in that fight. What's boxing without a little bit of controversy? Hopefully we have a resolution uh, to that. And uh, with that, Andrew, we're going to bring him in right now. Thank you so much for joining us here on Inside Boxing Live, taking a few moments out of your uh, day here. Now, there was a lot of emotions on that fight night, uh, that post-fight interview. Uh, you saw the emotions on display. Where are you at now, a few days after you know, collecting your thoughts. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm still obviously devastated that that belt, that world title, wasn't strapped back around my waist and isn't coming back home with me to Australia like it should be. But um, we're still trying to have that decision overturned. Uh, I met I met with Bob Arum yesterday at the top rank office, and we're doing what we can to to have that decision overturned and myself to be crowned as champion as I rightfully should um so we're still we're still we're still hopeful yeah and I saw that you you've hired Josh Dubin who is a uh, noted 
boxing attorney. He's filed a, a suit. Have, do you know anything about when we could potentially see uh, the hearing or, or the next steps in terms of the litigation? Yeah, that's right. Um, I spoke with Josh yesterday and um, we've started the process. Uh, I've got no idea how long this could take. Um, but hopefully we have an answer sooner or later. And at the moment, I'm just uh, looking forward to get firstly getting home and, and seeing my family and then getting back into training and getting ready for this third fight. Yeah, that's the thing. Boxers don't want to talk to attorneys. They want to worry about fighting. They want to worry about one's next fight. They don't want to talk about litigation. But unfortunately, that is uh, the case that uh, we have here. Now, I want to talk about the actual fight, what you saw in the ring. And I had broken this down extensively. I put a bunch of videos out uh, on Twitter, and, and I went through each frame by frame. Was there a moment where Russell Mora, I know that he said accidental headbutt and he kind of looked over to the commission. Was there a moment where he came over to your corner or someone from the commission came over to your corner to let you know that there was an accidental headbutt? Because that plays a, a key role in your strategy and, and you would figure that they would have to let you know that. Were you aware that that was the, the call uh, in, in that first round? No, I, I wasn't aware at all. Um, and Russell Mora didn't, um, communicate that, that to us in our corner. Um, I believe he told their corner that the damage was from a head clash, but he didn't tell our corner that. And you're right, that, that would have changed my strategy. Um, I knew in my head that it was from a punch, so I continued to target that eye and, and ended up closing the eye, which, which stopped the fight. But um, had I known that he'd ruled that being from a head clash, I... I wouldn't have done that. I would have waited till the four rounds had passed before I started to target that eye. Right, because I was going to say, you would have clearly boxed a little when we went to the body. You know, you landed 23 jabs in the six minutes. It was clear that that was a game plan coming into this fight. You were fighting beautifully, too. You know, looked very fluid in there. Punches were flying. In your mind, there was you probably figured there was no doubt that you were going to get him out of there. Yeah, that's right. I felt in total control. I had an excellent training camp and i came into this fight really in the best like ready to perform at my absolute best and um i felt absolutely on fire on saturday night and i had no doubt that whether the eye was swollen or not i would have stopped joshua franco in the next round or two and had a dominating performance and reclaim my world title there were a few moments where, uh, you know, his side or people from Franco's team, Franco's camp are, are breaking down the footage just like everyone else's. And then they see a shoulder into the eye or they see it like a, a, a brief clash of heads that is pretty inconclusive. Uh, did you feel any of that? I mean, it happens in fights all the time. Did you feel any of the heads come together even, you know, even accidentally or just a graze? No, I didn't at all. And certainly not anything that could have caused that sort of damage to his eye. Um, I believe his eye socket has a fracture and there certainly wasn't any contact with our heads that I even felt. Um, and if there was something of that sort of significance, I certainly would have felt it. Um, I remember very clearly landing a solid jab in the first round and seeing his eye swell instantly afterwards. Um, and I watched back some footage yesterday uh, in the top rank office and we had multiple different angles of that punch and it's very very clear that that's what caused the the damage to the eye were you with bob at the time mr aram 
Um, not at that moment we're watching the footage, no. But oh. I believe he has been showing the footage. <laughs> I want to see what his emotions are because he was livid as well. <laughs> You know, it was a huge lead-in here in the States. You know, a lot of people watch college football. Big lead-in. I was telling my friends to tune in. There's going to be a great co-main and Terrence Crawford fighting in the main event. And then you have this happen. It, it was a great two rounds, a lot of action. Then this happens, 26 minutes. The commission really, uh, I, you know, it's up to, to figure out if they got it right or wrong. But I think the, the general consensus is that they maybe have gotten this one wrong. But then you see, you know, people checking in from all walks of life. I mean... You expect LL Cool J and you expect Dame Lillard to check in, but Helen Mirren? I mean, that one really threw me off there. It, it just made it made a, a shockwaves throughout uh, the boxing world and the sporting world. My question for you is, do you think that this was maybe, for lack of a better term, a black eye for, for boxing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, firstly, you're right. The amount of support I've received has just been amazing over the last... To, uh, 48 hours or so um but yes i i believe you know the, the referee has a tough job he has to make a decision very quickly um and that's why we have the instant replay you know available here in nevada um and it would have been just a perfect opportunity to show how good that system can be and to have looked over the footage and as you can see after 26 minutes, they still could not find any sort of head clash that could have caused that damage. And they would have had the, the opportunity to overturn the decision and the rightful winner to come out of that fight. But instead, it seems like they wanted to protect the referee's decision and made the wrong call. And I think it's just bad for boxing that they, they didn't use the system which could have worked so well. And you're right, Andrew, because if, if you don't have the right people manning the, the replay technology, what is the good use of it? Because they say that the referee is the arbiter of the, the ruling. He, he, it's his, his, his call, and then it's up to the commission to take a look on the replay. But very rarely do they overturn what the referee said because they don't want to make him look bad. And this happens all the time with commissions in terms of judges, too. They don't allow the judges to speak to the media. They very rarely criticize a judge when he makes uh, has a poor scorecard. Uh, it's really a mess, and I think that this kind of uh, highlighted you know, the, the faults that are with these, these commissions. But uh, let's look to the future. Now, Bob Arum uh, just yesterday floated an idea of this super card in Australia that I know makes you happy. Uh, you've been on the road for a, a long time, and you talked about how you want to get back home uh, to your family. But uh, there's, has there been any talks, and, and do you think we can get that third fight in Australia, you know, with Teofimo Lopez on the card fighting Cambosos, maybe Tim Zhu on the card as well? What have you heard about a third fight potentially happening in Australia? Yeah, that's right. Um, that was something we spoke about yesterday with Bob Arum, and uh, he's keen to do this third fight with Franco in Australia, and that's what I want more than anything. Um, after everything that I've been through with this fight on the weekend, um, the you know to to have this third fight in Australia, and to finally be crowned world champion in front of all my friends and family and everyone who supported me over the years, you know that would make it all worthwhile, and that would be so special to me. And you know that. That could be the good that comes from, from this whole situation. Yeah.
You're right. You're, you kept a positive attitude, and uh, I think you, you grew a lot of fans. I think you got a lot of fans out of this because they like your fighting style, like the way you handle it. One last thing before we go. There was a, a towards the end when you were doing your, your post-fight interview, there was some chirping from Franco's side of things. What was said there, and I know you commented that they didn't exactly act professional in that. Do you have any uh, ill feelings towards Team Franco after how this all shook out? Yeah, I think they um, they showed you know no class at all by the way that they handled themselves after the fight it was it wasn't joshua himself it wasn't robert garcia it was it was his son uh mainly um he had a lot to say about what happened in the first fight and was yeah saying a, a lot to me but i wasn't arguing about the first fight uh i was arguing about what happened on saturday night and and i won that fight convincingly for the two rounds that it went, and and I believe I should have won that fight by TKO, and that's what I was arguing about. Um, but yeah, a lot of talk from them. But as you saw from my actions in the ring, I deserve to win that fight on Saturday. Let's hope that we get a resolution to this. Let's hope that there's a third fight. It would be cool to see it in Australia. I'm sure you would take it in a parking lot at this point. But uh, we appreciate the time, Andrew, and safe travels back to Australia. I get that quarantine and, and enjoy the holidays uh, with the family. We'll get you back on the show uh, in 2021. Thanks a lot. Excellent. Now, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. It's time for guest number two. You know him as Mr. Sources. Mr. Turtleneck, he's not wearing a turtleneck. I'm disappointed. Mike Coppinger does outstanding work for the athletic uh, lead boxing writer, uh, bringing a lot of news and breaking stories, and he joins us now here for... I'm going to go through some big some big hitters here, Mike. First of all, thanks for coming on the show. How are you doing? Thanks, Dan. Good to see you. Fellow Long Islander, so <laughs> lots of love. Yeah, that's what um, a lot of people at yeah, home don't understand, uh, Mike, is that we come from the same hometown. Me and Mike Coppinger grew up in the same town on Long Island, so two of the brightest and best in the boxing journalism have come from one small little i won't name it town on long island <laughs> yeah it's crazy uh you know knowing your dad uh i always tell people that i met your dad at career day and that's still i still have the coffee box shirt so that I'm a big is fan of the Kenobio family that is a story that we will have to do a whole podcast on. But I want to get to the heavy hitters. I want to get to the news and notes and no one better uh, than you at breaking that down. We saw Terrence Crawford this past weekend, destruction of Kell Brook. You had broken the story during the week about the friction at top rank between Bob Arum and, and Team Crawford. What is the latest on, on Terrence Crawford next, both inside and outside the ring? Look, Dan, Crawford has not too much left on his contract with top rank. He's going to be, it expires in October of 2021. So that could be one fight, two more fights. I know they want to revisit that potential pay-per-view fight with Benny Pacquiao. It was being talked about for this month in Qatar. And, you know, they had Pacquiao, they already had Pacquiao's side of the deal done, 23 and a half million guaranteed. They were talking to Crawford about somewhere like around six and a half million guaranteed, plus upside at five bucks a buy, over 300,000 pay-per-views. In the end, Qatar says, hey, look, COVID's getting worse over here. We can't have an event. But I know we saw Aram heard about – we heard Aram on the broadcast say he wants to revisit those talks of the Middle East, and that is with Qatar. So that could be a potential opportunity. If not, I, I would expect that it's Crawford fighting more of the same. Really, guys, we don't want to see him fight um, as we can get ready for you watch Errol Spence fight Danny Garcia in a couple of weeks. Absolutely wild that these fighters are still circling Manny Pacquiao. It just shows – what uh, status he has still in the sport at the ripe age of 
43, 43, I have to, I have to check that. But in terms of, of Terrence with, with top rank, is this a fight with Pacquiao? Would that placate him at top rank? Would that make him happy? Uh, I don't understand why he they can't do a, a fight with Trump Porter. I mean, is that PBC relationship with top rank, where is it at? Is it as frosty as ever? Or can they potentially do uh, these fights? Because like you said, running out of time. I know he got a good rating on ESPN, but people want to see Terrence Crawford at age 33 in with a viable opponent. For one, PBC has been in no rush for a long time to make a fight with top rank and Terrence Crawford. I think for part of the reason is, hey, why do we want to help out our competitors? We have all the welterweights, and we have plenty of fights that we can make between those welterweights, and they're doing one of those on December 5th with Errol Spence and Danny Garcia. I think part two of that is that, like you said, yeah, it's really frosty right now. It was looking pretty good after they did Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. They collaborated on that pay-per-view, ESPN and Fox. And then guess what? The rematch falls apart, and now there's a lot of finger points going mm. on around whose fault it is that the third fight's not taking place, and our relationship, I'm hearing, is pretty bad right now. So I don't think there's a lot of hope. Well, I would love to see Sean Porter. I'm with you. Sean Porter, Terrence Crawford. Hell, Terrence Crawford, your Dennis Ugas would be a step up at this <laughs> Seriously. point. Terrence Crawford but, or Jamal James, I'll take that. Right, I'll take that too. But I think there's a third part to this, and that's if you're PBC and you want to sign Terrence Crawford, and like I, you know, like I laid out, and you mentioned that relationship has friction right now. Do you want to help soothe that friction? Or do you want to wait for his contract to expire in October of 2021? Absolutely. Yeah, that's, it's things are moving. And I'm glad you put up the heavyweight division because that's something I want to touch on here. Tyson Fury not fighting on December 5th. That fight is now off. Uh, Bob Barham comes out and says that Tyson Fury will fight in 2021. It's either going to be the trilogy with Wilder or if Anthony Joshua comes through, his fight with Pulev is going to be uh, that fight with, with Anthony Joshua that a lot of fans are clamoring for. Uh, what's the latest on that and uh, what can we see uh, Tyson Fury next? And, and in terms of of the the litigation is this now is this fight off because of the lawsuit or that wilder had filed or was threatening to file there's a lot of moving parts bring us up to speed in the heavyweight division basically yeah tyson fury had agreed to terms to fight a geek caballero on december 5th at royal albert hall in london and what happened was espn was cutting its guarantee to fury just based on a lot of factors there wasn't enough money from espn and bt and you know, no fans, obviously. That hurt things. In the end, Fury decided to say, you know what, I'll just fight again in 2021 when the money is right. He wasn't going to take some big pay cut. Don't blame him. But it had nothing to do with the mediation. And the mediation is getting underway here shortly, or may have started. Um, that's the first part of the dispute resolution provision in that contract, you know, that two-fight deal. So after mediation, we'll follow arbitration with the same retired judge. And that'll be binding arbitration. So... Look, no one's gonna, no one can force someone to fight someone. We've seen this a lot, right? We saw this with Andy Ruiz last year and Anthony Joshua. You know, they're all saying contracts don't fight, fighters do. But they certainly could pursue damages if the judge uh, rules in favor of Deontay Wilder. Does the judge, I don't know if you know this, but does the judge uh, take into account some of the things that Wilder has accused Fury's team and Fury of? Or his own corner? Too? That's, a great, that's a great question, Dan. I'm not sure if, if the judge will, but I'm certainly it should be considered. Um, I, I saw Fury say in an interview that he's not going to, to sue Deontay Wilder for defamation, but that he could. And he's definitely right that he certainly could, and I don't see how he would lose. You can't just go making baseless accusations against someone. You're, you're attacking their character. And I don't blame Tyson Fury for saying that he never wants to fight Deontay Wilder again because of those accusations. 
It's a mess. Such a mess. After, especially after what we saw this past weekend, uh, Maloney and Franco, that fight's going to litigation too. I mean, it's just like boxing is has a few fights and a lot of stuff out of the ring. Good for you uh, in your line of work, <laughs> breaking the news. But in your in, in your opinion, Tyson Fury, his first fight of 2021 is against who? Uh, I'm going to be optimistic here and say it's against Anthony Joshua. Although if I'm Fury's team, I would be a little um, concerned maybe about our fighter going into the biggest fight of his life off of such a layoff, especially mm-hmm. a guy who, you know, is really big on activity and, you know, stay, you know, he's had problems with mental health and staying in shape. So that would be a concern for me, but it's the biggest fight by far that could be made in all of boxing. And yeah, then this touch on something. You're right. We always do have controversy in boxing. We have a lot right now. People always complain about it, but it's really what we love about boxing. I mean, boxing wouldn't be any fun without this stuff. Exactly. I know a lot of people criticize, you know, fans that criticize like fanagers and why you're so ups- why are you so concerned with the pay-per-view buys? This this general interest in a sport that is sometimes lacks interest. So I'm all for fans getting involved. I'm all for fans, you know, you know, having, uh, you know, picking sides and figuring out uh, who they want to win and uh, who they who should get paid more. Just the beauty of uh, of the sport, of a very unusual sport. Finally, before we say goodbye, Canelo Alvarez. Depending on watch when you watch this interview or listen to this interview, uh, Canelo is going to be making an announcement. It's probably a fight. I'm guessing with Callum Smith. Uh, take us through some of the options that Canelo is going through because obviously he announced his free agent. Uh, Caleb Plant fight seems like it's dead on arrival. What are you hearing uh, for Canelo? And is is this announcement? Is it is it Callum Smith? I believe it will be Callum Smith. I, I, I heard last that Callum Smith had agreed on the money, and that Canelo had agreed on the money too. I'm not sure what the holdup could be. I heard they were trying to iron out some things still. I know it could be a problem getting a site and all that sorted in, in such, such short order. Right? We were only a few weeks away now, so. That could potentially be the holdup, but I would be shocked if it wasn't Callum Smith at 168 pounds in December, potentially the 19th. And it's a great fight, I think. You know, Canelo already beat Liam Smith a few, four years ago. You have storylines there. But Caleb Plant was another fight that was intriguing. That option fell through. PBC was looking for a multi-fight deal for Canelo. And understandably, after all the friction and tension with Golden Boy, he wants to keep his flexibility on one-fight deals right now intriguing time in the world of boxing ton of things swirling around there's no one better than breaking it all down and getting you those scoops than long island's very own mike coppager appreciate the time mike we'll catch you next time all right catch you soon dan thanks again That is a wrap for this edition of Inside Boxing Live. A special thanks to our guests, Andrew Maloney and Mike Coppinger. Great stuff. And I'm really excited about this partnership we got with the eSports Boxing Club. Boxing finally has a video game on the way. Uh, it's going to be great. And we're going to be part of the video game as well with CompuBox Stats. So a lot of big things coming down the pipeline in terms of the boxing video games and a lot of big news coming down the pipeline in terms of boxing in general. Where It's a mad dash to the end of 2020. It's been an up and down year, of course, uh, with COVID-19 and everything. But we're ending the year strong. Canelo Alvarez, uh, Errol Spence, Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones. I still can't believe that's happening. I still can't believe I'll be working a, a Mike Tyson fight. Of course, uh, we're doing punch stats for that as well. We have a lot of uh, stuff planned next week in terms of content uh, for this Mike Tyson fight and Roy Jones. It's, everyone's talking about it. I posted something on Instagram yesterday. A ton of responses about Mike Tyson. The guy still resonates. And Roy Jones, it ain't no slouch either. So really looking forward to that fight. 
as well as some of the other things that are going on in boxing. Uh, when will Canelo fight? Where will Canelo fight? Uh, the Tyson Fury stuff is, is intriguing. Deontay Wilder, the latest from him, is that uh, Tyson Fury scratched him with his nails now. So that gets the excuse meter up to about 503 excuses, if my CompuBox count is uh, correct. But it's a lot going on in the world of boxing and we are always excited to bring it to you every single week here on Inside Boxing Live. Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones. I can't believe it. Who is your pick? Who are you going with? They're not going to be a winner. So I actually can't tell you, uh, ask you, who is your pick? Because it's just an exhibition. Will Jones go in there and try to survive? Will Tyson go in there and knock him out even though the fight doesn't have a winner? That's everything we're going to talk about next week. We'll see you next week. Another edition of Inside Boxing Live.